it'd be arrogant for me to say, here is the vision. And by the way, I'm very cautious of any single leader who has all the vision. That sounds dangerous to me. But I have a hunch that what we will be will be built upon what God gave to this group of people from the beginning and what this group has lived out for a long period of time. Welcome to the Renovare podcast, a place for honest conversations about interactive life with God. I'm Nathan Foster, and my guest today is Renovare's new president, Ted Harrow. Well, it's a new season for Renovare. Our president, Chris Hall, has reached a well-deserved retirement. He will be missed by many. Last year, the board began in earnest searching for a new president. The process was thoughtful and prayerful and unanimous. I briefly asked our outgoing president, Chris Hall, his thoughts on Ted stepping into the role of president. I think Ted is an answer to prayer. I was fervently praying that God would bring somebody with the gift mix and mature Christian character who could take over for me and be somebody who could lead Renovari into the future God has for Renovari. And I'm convinced that Ted is that person. I know Ted. I got to know Ted through uh, the Renovari Institute, Chicago cohort. And he has the skill set in terms of uh, detail work, strategic planning, people skills. I think the staff is going to really enjoy working with him. You all are getting to know him now. And a humble part where he'll be able to lead, but in such a way, he won't be concerned about putting himself at center stage. He won't be concerned that people recognize him as president and so on. Just the right person, both in terms of gift mix and personality. I wanted to give you all a chance to meet Ted and to hear a little about how his personal and professional experience fit for this season in Renovari's history. I spoke with Ted from his home in Chicago. Ted, I caught wind that you were really pushing to uh, get this position. Is that accurate? <laughs> <laughs> there couldn't be anything farther from the truth, Nate. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Um, people ask me about that. And my standard line is, um, this is a job... I wasn't looking for, I initially resisted and eventually became open to and said yes to over a period of months. But if you had asked me, I mean, a year ago, certainly, maybe even six months ago, would I be sitting on here on this podcast with Nate Foster talking about taking on the role of being president of Renovari? I would have laughed. <laughs> Why is that? Well, a couple of reasons. One is, so I've been in a consulting business that I built over the last 18 years or so. And, I, you know, I, with any business you build over time, hopefully you make it more and more what you like it to be. And so in the last probably three to five years, I've enjoyed my work more than I ever have in my 30 plus years of working. So I, I wasn't looking because 
I had work I loved that was very meaningful, working with both colleagues and clients that I really enjoyed and felt like I had a particular contribution to. And I, you know, as one of my, one of my friends said to me when I told him about this decision, he said, you kind of have the perfect situation. Like you have this great work and you have complete control of your life and schedule and like no complications. Why would you do this? <laughs> so part of it was I, I had a really, a, a thing I really loved and had, and I feel really fortunate, blessed to have had that work. Um, and then secondly, you know, when, when, uh, when this role first came up, I didn't even look at it at all, honestly. And I had four different friends text me and suggest that I apply for the job. And I laughed in every case and said, if you haven't noticed, I'm not Chris Hall. Like I am nothing like the person who's been leading and helping this movement thrive over the last five, six, seven years. So my standard text was to those four people was not interested, not qualified. And so I think it was both those things. It was, it was, I, I love where I am and I don't really see if I look at what's in place right now, I don't really see how someone like me um, would be a great fit. When it was down to two folks, you said the statement of, if you know someone better, <laughs> do yeah. it, right? Like, which yeah. I thought was a really interesting and freeing. Um, so you see the position come open, not interested. You have some friends text you and you're kind of pushing back on it. What changed to get you in a position to where you actually did apply and follow through? Yeah, a couple of things. So I, after the fourth friend texted me, I, I texted two of them back who had texted me together. They were, they were actually um, classmates of mine at the Institute. And, um, and I said, okay, if you guys aren't yanking my chain, because sometimes we tease each other. I said, if you aren't yanking my chain, then I'll make a deal with you. I'll pray about this if you do as well, and we'll all do it secretly. We won't say anything to anyone. And we'll just see if, if, uh, if my heart opens and if doors open at all. And so we, we all agreed to do that. And we did that for a period of weeks. And then the other thing that happened was, so Gretchen, I'm, I'm married to Gretchen. And um, Gretchen was at, the, at our back um, counter in our kitchen one day when I walked in this summer and she was looking someone, I think I must've sent to her the job description for the president role. And she was looking at it and she looked at me when I walked in the door and said, I'm looking at the, the job description for the Renovari president and that job description in your life are pretty much the same thing. Like it's things written for you. <laughs> and I, I really have learned over the years, we've been married for 33 years now to pay attention to what Gretchen says. Sure. And so, um, you know, that, I think those couple of things where as I talked to my close friends, as I looked at the description of the job, as I prayed about it, I went from dismissing it to being open to it. And then I was talking with my spiritual director about this whole thing. And, and we agreed that, I just needed to approach this whole thing with holy indifference, you know, to just to only care about what God wanted. So it made it a very, you used the word a second ago, a free, a kind of a freeing thing. This whole process has been extraordinarily free for me because 
I really do, and I, I really did and still do want the best for Renovare. And if there was anybody better in the world who was available, I want that person to take this job. Um, and if I'm the best person, then I'll take it with excitement and joy and a certain amount of trepidation, all those <laughs> things probably, and say, hey, I'll serve to the best of my ability. How are you feeling about coming into the position? I feel, I think, privileged and excited and in, in a sense, realistic about there's going to be challenges in front of us. But I just see such a great opportunity for Renovare. I mean, forget me for a second. I'm just one member of a team. There's such great opportunities for Renovare in our world that I'm just glad to be part of it. What first drew you to Renovare as an organization? So I, uh, Gretchen and I have been doing marriage ministry for about 25 years. And She's a therapist, so she brings the clinical background to our work with couples. And I have always been kind of a, a nerd about spiritual growth and transformation. I'm, I'm really fascinated by how humans change and why so few of us do. <laughs> and so I've, I've uh, or as much as we'd like to, you know, I, I actually read Richard's book many years ago, Celebration of Discipline. And then when I was thinking through and just working through how do people change and why do we have such trouble with that? Uh, I started being exposed to Dallas Willard's work. And so uh, in our marriage work, I wanted to get a little more rigor and kind of um, structure to my own thinking and practice around about human change in the Christian tradition. And uh, I looked at a number of options. Uh, I'm a strange duck because I'm really into this stuff, but I don't have a theological master's. So getting a D-min, which I thought about doing, you know, in spiritual formation would have involved going back and getting a theological master's and then a D-min, which is like a seven-year journey. And I'm old enough where I was thinking, oh, my goodness. I mean, I'm going to burn a lot of my extra time here just getting through that. And so when I was looking at options to ground myself further, because I had been a student of Dallas's from a distance, I never got to meet him personally. And uh, Richards, I had heard of Renovari, and I looked at the Institute and said, oh, that's interesting. So my first real exposure to Renovari, I'd heard of Renovari, but my first real exposure was applying to the Institute, which was uncanny because it was going to be based in Chicago. And I live right outside Chicago. And I, I knew when I saw the marketing picture for the Institute, I didn't just know it was Chicago. I knew exactly where the picture was taken because... It was at St. Mary of the Lake uh, Catholic Seminary, which I had gone to for years for my own personal retreats. So it kind of felt like, okay, this seems like this is meant to be. So that was my first real exposure to Renovari. And I got the privilege of being part of that community with the Chicago cohort in the last, well, it was supposed to be two years. We were the first and hopefully last three-year program because of COVID. <laughs> and uh, so that's that's my exposure, my first exposure to Renovari. What was your experience like with the Institute? I don't know how to sum that. How many hours do we have for this podcast, Nate? As long um, as you want. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, well, I mean, I, I use superlatives really carefully, um, but I would say it was that the Institute was one of the most formative things of my life. I was talking to Mimi Dixon about this a while back, and there's great teaching at the Institute and I value and have come to love, especially getting to know the teachers personally, which is great. 
but really it's it's like it's the community of these people who are who are in a similar place as you it's you know we're the people who go to ordinary things in our ordinary life and kind of wish there was something more and we all end up in the same place together you know i, I sometimes say that i was even though i didn't entirely know it i was a starving person and i found food and the food was both the teaching and the the reading and the even the papers, um, which I do value looking back on, and the community these these people who are like minded people who who may look different from me or come from different kind of you know paths of life, but we have something in common, which is, um, boom, we want to go deep with each other and with God in ways that are very uncommon in the world we live in. And uh, I will be forever grateful for that experience. Mm -hmm. There's something special about getting like-minded folks in the room and yeah. seeing what happens. How um, how do you see your background as a consultant helping uh, your work at Renovari? What I've learned to do in my work, and, and for those who don't know, my, my work has been primarily um, strategy facilitation and leadership development. So it's really about creating directional community with groups of people is what I do. And also helping leaders to change in the situation they're in. So to use their everyday work as a laboratory for their souls. What I've been doing, I mean, I've been doing in the marketplace, sometimes with people who are followers of Jesus and sometimes people who are very much not, is to help them walk through those those pathways of how do I become more of who I was created to be in the everyday work that I do? And then how do we take all that and work together as an organization to do something distinctive in the world? So a lot of what we're about is very consistent with Renovare philosophically. Now, as far as my kind of personal skill set, a lot of what I do is help groups of people figure out where are we? How do we get here? What's next for us? And how are we going to get there? And then let's go. As a facilitator, you do that on the side, you know, to, to stand beside a leader and or his or her team to move the organization forward. I'll now get to be a member of the team and to say, okay, where are we? With the staff and the board and the ministry team at Renovari, where are we? And how do we get here? And what's next for us? And I, I see, you know, such a wonderful history at Renovari. There's depth to the history of this place. And at the same time, we're at a, a place where the world around us is in flux and in change, and there's new opportunities for a place like Renovari. And Renovari is probably going to go through some changes. If you just think generationally, the, you know, the generation that started this with Dallas and Richard and all the people that are on the Renovari website, some of whom have passed on to the graduated life part too, you know? We are now at a time where it's time to say, okay, what's the next generation of Renovari gonna look like? And so I get to get my hands dirty with that, with a bunch of really uh, wonderful people. So I will hope that what I'll bring to the organization and to the movement is an ability to collaboratively shape and bring to life vision. Lord willing, that'll be good for everyone. What do you think it'll look like in the coming years? You know, people have asked me what my vision is for Renovari, and my standard answer is, it's too early for me to know. 
we're fortunate in that under Chris's leadership and the leadership of the board and the and the great work of the staff and the ministry team, Renovari is in a really stable place. So we're not that you know the house is not on fire. So my orientation to entering into a new role here is to listen and to learn. And then, you know, actually with a pair of fresh eyes, I do have an advantage here for, you know, for a, a short period of time where I'm not burdened by experience, where I can actually see things. I, I lived in England for 18 months and we had a friend there who said to us, hey, make sure you take all your pictures in the first six months, because after that, English is going to look normal. <laughs> and so I want to take advantage of the first, you know, six months or so at Renovari to kind of see things with fresh eyes and then bring that to the team and say, okay, here's what I'm seeing. What are you all seeing and how, what, you know, what should it look like? That's a, that could be a consultant weasel answer that I just gave you. The other answer to me would be, we have so much historically to bring to the world from this movement at Renovari, the value of community. Community not as an add-on, but community as the central way that we see lives and groups change. Um, that's super important. If you think about the world we live in, the fracturing of community in the world around us, you know, we all feel that all the time. So we don't just talk about community. This community has modeled community for a long time. So we have that gift to bring to the world. And the robust view of what it looks like to be like Jesus. That I, I mean, I love the book that Richard wrote on streams, this big tent look at from the great traditions of the followers of Jesus. Here's what it looks like. And we're in a world right now that tends to narrow and tends to over to over-rotate towards one thing or another, as opposed to saying, oh no, it's a whole that matters. It's not just a piece that matters. I think that's a huge gift. If you look at what's going on in our institutions and our churches, the exposure of a shallowness of character, which of course is, it just betrays that we have done, we have focused a lot more on what we're doing and achieving than what we're becoming. Renovari doesn't just think about that or just talk about it. The movement has been modeling that and teaching that and thinking deeply about that for literally decades. So I don't know exactly what it looks like yet. And I think it'd be premature for me to, for me to be arrogant for me to say, here's the vision. And by the way, I'm very cautious of any single leader who has all the vision. That sounds dangerous to me, but I have a hunch. I have a hunch that what we will be, will be built upon what God gave to this group of people from the beginning and what this group has lived out for a long period of time. You said something uh, in a previous conversation, I, I believe it was Carolyn asked you, first 100 days, what are you going to do? And your answer was very similar. I believe you just said, listen, right? Yeah, 100%. For me, the first period of time is all about listening and observing and taking in. In any movement, any group of people, there's layers, right? And you have to stick around for a while to see what the layers are. But you could draw conclusions too fast and end up in lots of strange places. So, uh, again, if, if the house is on fire, we wouldn't have that luxury. We'd have to go act. And I, 
I have clients right now. I'll be with a client later this week who's in that situation. There is no luxury of time. We have the luxury of time. So I'm going to listen. And then I'm going to host conversations with leaders in the organization and in the movement to say, okay, what do we see? And now let's listen to God and let's listen to each other and let's see where it takes us. You don't come in with an agenda. Is that accurate? Beyond what I just said, I have no particular agenda. My agenda is to, to serve God in this movement as long as it's obvious that I'm, I'm able to do something productive. And then the minute I'm not, I will happily make way for the next people. I like that. What excites you about this position? I've already mentioned some things that excite me in terms of the, the history and the resources of Renovari uh, is really exciting to me. We're not coming in. I've, I've started lots of things and that's really fun. Like blank slate, you know, that's exciting. But you also, it's like blank resources, you know, <laughs> that's, that's a little different. So I, it is fun to come into a place where there's, there's some wind blowing, you know, there's the wind in the sails and that's fun. I'm really excited at a purely selfish level. I think there's two things that leap to mind for me about what I'm excited about. One is that in my current work, I kind of get to bring part of myself to most of my work. There are settings where I'm not able because of the situation I'm in. It wouldn't be appropriate for me to be as overt about some of my worldview and to assume some things about commonality with the people I'm working with as I'm going to be able to do here. Here, I get to bring the strategist part of me, the leadership kind of coach part of me, the spiritual formation part of like all of that. I can bring all of me to all of my work. And um, I think I'm going to love that. I'm going to love that. <laughs> um, and I would say the other thing I'm really excited about, and I, I, I say this completely seriously, I think I'm going to be a different person in a few years from being around the people that I'll get to be around. Like I said about the Institute, the teaching was awesome. I've been listening, re-listening to Trevor Hudson's talks from the first Renovari residency I was in, the first Institute um, with some friends of mine. And I love doing that. And I, every time I listen to the, the teaching, I get something new from listening to it again. But it was the community that probably was the distinctive because you can get lots of good teaching in our world. And for me to be able to hang out with the staff and hang out with the board, the minister team, and hang out with just Renovari people, they, we attract a particular kind of hungry, deep, honest, diverse person that I find really, really stretching and uh, life-giving. So on a personal level, I'm excited to be able to bring all of myself to all of my work. And I'm excited that I'm pretty sure I'm going to be a different person and a more like Jesus person whenever my time at Renovari as president is up. What concerned you about stepping into this role? Oh, well, come on. Uh, anybody who comes into this role and doesn't have a little bit of, wait, am I the guy, you know, or am I the gal, <laughs> uh, probably should have their head examined. You know, I'm following Chris Hall, who is dean of a seminary and, you know, Abba Chris. And so there's, there's lots of things where if I compared myself and tried to be somebody else, which is easy to do, 
would probably like keep me in bed every morning. I'm, I'm actually pretty okay with that. I know who I am and I'm happy to give all of who I am to this community. And I know my limitations and I'm not going to try to be anybody else, but there's moments where it's like, Oh, okay. How's that going to go? And there are things I haven't done. You know, I've spent my whole career in terms of my vocation, my money earning vocation. I've spent it entirely in the marketplace after uh, two and a half years as a church intern when I was fresh out of college. So I'm coming into a new world. So if I let that relative ignorance about some things and comparison between myself and other people get inside me, then I'm going to have all kinds of problems. So uh, I, I'm working really hard. Part of my work here is to say, no, in fact, I've been doing a particular kind of contemplative prayer that I actually was attracted to through something Chris said, a throwaway comment 18 months ago, a book by Joyce Huggett called The Joy of Listening to God. And I've just been getting, you know, as I've been praying, and I've, I, most of my life have not really heard direct things from God very much. But the little messages I've been picking up in the last six months have been, I'll be with you. I'll help you. Why so tense? It's okay. You know? <laughs> and so, you know, I, I'm not primarily feeling fear, but I have that little bit of edginess, like right before, if you're going to ever done any cliff jumping into a pool of water, Nate, I mean, I did that as a kid. And uh, it's that moment right before it's your turn. <laughs> And you know it's going to be okay because you know there's you know 20 feet of water down there. But it's that moment of, I'm going to have to jump off this rock and we'll see what happens next. Favorite books? So favorite books. I'm going to give you a couple different food groups. I'll give you the obvious. This is a Renovari crowd. So um, I, I've read just about everything that Dallas has written. Um, and of all of his, I would say the one that, you know, after you got through the first third of it was kind of the most transformative me for me was divine conspiracy. I, I love that book and renovation. Of the heart is the book. I outline almost all the books like that. And I have my longhand notes from renovation of the heart in my journal. I've been carrying it with me for about 20 years. It's the one outline I've carried with me for 20 years. Cause I refer to it so often. So I love those books. Then in fiction, the first book that leaves, leaps to mind is Les Miserables. I particularly love the character of the bishop, who I see as, you know, the lead domino in a domino series of grace and joy in that book. And then I have books I love from my work. One of my absolute favorites is one called Back of the Napkin by a guy named Dan Rome, and it's about visual thinking. I find visual thinking. I'm a horrible artist. Anyone who's been to our marriage website where I blog there and do my own illustration will, will agree with me. I'm a horrible artist, but uh, I love visual thinking and find it enormously useful both to think differently and also to share ideas with people. So I love that book. There's a bunch of strategy books I love too, but if I, if I had to pick on my business website, I have a page instead of books we've written because I haven't written anything yet book-wise. I've written a lot of blog posts. I have books I wish I had written and uh, Back of the Napkins on there. It's one of my favorites. What's this business about bread? <laughs> You're the thousandth person to ask me that question. I have, uh, so I love making bread uh, and I love it at so many levels. It's a 
deep practice. You know, think about what we do at Renovare, that the depth of the streams of, of spiritual transformation in the Christian tradition. And how you could just keep like there's always more and there's always more. And I find the same thing with bread. So I've been baking bread. I start I baked some bread with my mom when I was a kid. And then I really started in high school. I was a I was on staff at a at a camp and was a dish boy and the the chef was cooking and he looked like he had more fun than I did. So I asked to come in early one day and he taught me to make like 50 loaves of bread, you know, which is a whole different thing. And then when Gretchen and I were first married and we wanted to get bread, but bread's pretty, was, you know, it was like, really, it costs that much for a loaf of bread? She said to me one day, here, I'm going to buy you a bread cookbook. Why don't you make some bread for us? So I started doing that. And then I thought, I want to like have a bakery. So it turned into a, eventually into a seven year side business for my family and me, um, where we baked bread for hundreds of people in our community. Um, and also it was a, it was an entrepreneurial experiment. I could go on and on. There's so much about bread that I love. I love eating it. I love baking it. I love sharing it with people, love teaching it. There's a picture, right? There's a picture for your role. Mm -hmm. Ted, it's great to talk to you and welcome. Thank you. It's a privilege and an honor. And that was Ted Harrow, Renovare's new president. I'm Nathan Foster, and you've been listening to the Renovare Podcast. I'm grateful for all of you who help make this work possible. You can support Renovare in this podcast with a tax-deductible gift at renovare.org slash donate. Renovare is a Christian ecumenical renewal effort offering resources and experiences to help people become more like Jesus. This podcast is produced by Brian Morricon, who also wrote the opening song titled Be Kind. And until next time, be well, friends. Be well.